Welcome, everybody, to the Grow People podcast with Pastor Jason. That's me. Lead pastor at Revolution Church. My name is David Stein, and I am the campus pastor at our Canton location. Purpose of the Grow People podcast, everybody knows this, is to grow people. people. Grow people. It wasn't emphasized enough today. Oh, it wasn't? No. Okay. <laughs> That's, I wasn't sure. Which, I didn't know if it was a tick or what it was. No, yeah. no, it's, it's to... It's to grow people. I was just going to stare at you awkwardly like we did before. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. Not the first time that's happened to me. Yeah. Um, we are uh, right now getting ready for our Christmas gatherings. Uh, do you, I mean, do you love this time of year? I, I know it's probably the busiest time of year in, in church ministry, but do you love this time of year? You know, it's funny. I wouldn't say it's necessarily the busiest time of year in church. It's definitely busy. We got a lot of stuff going. There's yeah. extra stuff going. Well, I think I think it's just a busy. I think in addition to, it's definitely busy in church. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, but there's a lot of other things that get added. Yes, to it. yeah. So, but yeah, to your question, I love this time of year. It's my favorite time of year. From, you know, from Thanksgiving, uh, well, the beginning of November. You know, those last mm-hmm. two months of the year are my absolute favorite. When the colors start changing, it starts getting colder. Um, I just, that's my, cause I love hunting. I love being outside. So yeah, this time of year, it always goes by way too fast. Mm-hmm. I wish it would go by slower. That's probably the toughest thing about this time of year is I do love it so much. And we do have a lot of church things going on that, um, and then school things and just life yeah. you know, that you feel like you can't slow down enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I so that we, would be my one complaint. <laughs> I, I think we've had a pretty good rhythm. I mean, even though Saturday with Hope for Christmas, and we're going to talk more about that in just a little bit. Even Zip Kane is going to join us, by the way. Woohoo! Yes, we promise. Yes, we we promise that. Um, he is our missions minister and the organizer of Hope for Christmas. So we'll talk to him in a little bit. I, I think we've done a good job of pace pacing this year, uh, better than we have in, in the past, and. You know, if we're going to be in this for the long haul, pace is, is really important. Yeah, we try. Yeah. Um, I I love Christmas. Yeah. E- even when I did not celebrate Christmas. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Gro- growing yeah. growing yeah. up, you know, Hanukkah was cool. You, you never knew where it was going to be. You know, is it, is, it, is it first week of December? Is it the last week of December? When, when is it? Oh, does it move? It does. It's based on the Hebrew calendar. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize it moved, though. So mm-hmm. it's not a fixed day like Christmas. No, no. Oh. No, it's it's based on something completely different. Yeah, um, and I, and it's always it's always the in the Hebrew calendar it is fixed, but the Hebrew calendar shifts every year. So uh, I got you. So that's why it, it falls at different times okay. of of the year. But so, so it's more like a Easter time than a Christmas thing, like how Easter moves a yeah, lot. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I loved Hanukkah and, yeah. but I, I love Christmas. I love the sights and the sounds and the smells and the, and the music and, yeah. and the, the coldness of it. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. I, I do not mind that there's no snow. Of course, there is a little bit of snow in the forecast for next week. Yeah. Uh, but I don't mind, you know, worrying about shoveling three feet of snow. <laughs> it's a little bit different than where you grew up. Oh, yeah. oh the two happiest days uh, of my life, the day I bought my snowblower and the day I sold my snowblower. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was it. Um, <laughs> and, and then trust Jesus and then Leanna and then, yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah. There, there, there were happier days. I forgot. <laughs> Just to clarify, Leanna, he's not more happy that he that he sold his snowblower than he did to marry you. Yeah, yeah. Good point. That. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite Christmas thing? Uh, whether it's a, a cookie or a drink or anything like that. Do you? <sighs> when peppermint mocha comes out at Starbucks, no, you, no, no. Um, I mean, probably just Christmas cookies, some kind of Christmas desserts. Mm-hmm. My mom, like Thanksgiving, obviously turkey, but for us growing up in East Texas, it was a Greenberg smoked turkey. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah we talked. We had about yeah, that. So yeah. that's the the Thanksgiving, which actually was on Oprah's. You know, was it's it is quite famous. Um, but for Christmas, yeah, it was it was probably. Um, my mom was a big time baker. So was my Mm -hmm. great grandmother who basically raised my mom. So she was all, I mean, she would stay up Uh, the whole, she was one of those that would bake something for everybody. And so she would be baking for weeks Mm. and then we would, she would draft us kids (laughs) into, uh, putting them in tins and taking them to people. So like everybody in her office got some, everybody, once we started Mm. going to church, all that kind of stuff. So me as a, uh, that's pr- partly where my sweet tooth comes from. So I would always be in the kitchen with my mom, helping her make those things and eat those things <laughs> and package those things. But again, that was really, that was a lot of fun as a kid because it was very, you know, it was very holiday specific is very. And mm-hmm. so when we started doing that kind of stuff, um, it was, it was very Christmassy. You know, have we had the cookie conversation on the podcast? I don't, I don't. The cookie conversation? The cookie conversation. I don't know. <laughs> we've probably had a cookie conversation. I don't know if we've had the cookie. There's the conversation that your parents have when, you know, you're, you're 11 or 12. Yeah. And then there's the cookie conversation. The cookie conversation. Maybe not. How do you like your cookies? I mean, in, in doneness. Oh, yeah. I like them soft. I don't like them crispy. Uh, I think anybody I I that I enjoys cookies doesn't like them. They I, like them chewy. No, no, no. I I love cookies. I celebrate the cookies entire catalog. Yeah, but I like them cooked. the The actual word "cook" is in cookies. Yeah. So they well, got to be. They we're not be saying that these are raw. They're not raw. Oh, they are cooked. So- we just don't like them overcooked. A soft cookie is undone. Is heavenly. Is yeah. not not. How done. do you like your steak? Um medium rare medium so by definition you're changing the word cook then no no i'm saying the word yeah. that i think an under well, you just said cook by is, means makes it crisp in a cookie but for steak cook doesn't make it crisp it's not you're not you're right it's not raw dough yeah it's cooked but not cooked enough so <laughs> i like my cookies like i like my waffles yeah crispy i'm i'm the guy at waffle house saying no 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 leave it in leave it in a little How's this, Mr. Stein? Not enough. Well, leave, I, leave it in. Yeah, I like the waffle crispy, but then I like the syrup to make it soft. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. That, that's fine. Yeah, but I don't like to start with it. No. Uh, but again, the same kind of way mm-hmm. with a steak. Mm-hmm. You know, you, to me, in in order to know how to cook a steak well, mm-hmm. which would, yeah, would be anything past medium is not cooking a steak well. No. Uh, so it's either medium or medium rare. Right. Um. But to know how to do that well takes more skill than doing it well done. It doesn't take much skill to do it well done. No. I see the cookie the same way. It doesn't take as much skill to 
make a cookie crisp as it does to make it just medium to medium rare. Wow. You see what I'm saying? Mm. That takes more skill. Now, I appreciate when people bake me cookies around this time of year. Oh, they 100%. Bring, bring it in a tin or a plate. And there's, yeah. you know, if you're using the green saran wrap, extra points. But <laughs> we just had some delivered today, <laughs> yeah. right? Yes. Which are awesome. And they were incredible. Uh, but if you're going to specifically say, I know Pastor David likes cookies. I'm going to bake him cookies. Leave it in a little longer. <laughs> yeah. And do the opposite, if you know, for Pastor C- Jason. Cook them. <laughs> <laughs> See, here's my thing with that. If you get some that are that are undercooked, mm-hmm. in your opinion, mm-hmm. you could put them in the oven and cook them a little longer. Mm. But if I get some that are overcooked, I can't. You can't, I can't bring it back. Can't bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that is actually argument. a very good point. Yes. Moving moving along from yeah. that. <laughs> uh, tell us your favorite cookie. No, we don't. Uh, I did, you ever had a popcorn bowl? Yes, I have. Yeah, that was a big in my house. That was a big Christmas um, thing. My great grandmother would make. I mean, I'm talking about like amazing popcorn balls. And so, if you haven't never had that, it looks like a snowball. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wrap it up in foil. So it's just popcorn, and she made some kind of glaze or whatever, you know. And then you eat it almost like you know, um, uh, not a snow cone. You know what I mean? But yeah. uh, but the funniest thing about that when I was younger, I don't know, probably ten, eleven. My one of my main front two teeth, I broke it on the side of a swimming pool. I was swimming hit it on the side and chipped it, like broke it in half. So they wouldn't give me a full crown until I turned 18. So I had to have a, like a half part glued to it, you know? Well, every year at Christmas, I would eat into that popcorn ball and break my tooth. (laughs) But they were so good. And you can't eat it with a fork and a knife. No, you can't. They were so good that I was willing to break my, so my dentist just got to know like I probably had that have that glued back on four or five times. <laughs> He's like, another popcorn ball? I'm like, yeah, I can't help it. <laughs> and yeah. I do like ham. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I do like a Christmas ham. Yeah. Because we didn't have that growing up. The first time I got invited to a Christmas party oh. and we went to somebody else's, it was a Christmas open house. Uh, I, I remember exactly what the hosts were wearing. They were wearing like red and green plaid and there was wassail. Whatever that also is. is awesome. Whatever that was. I was 12 years old and I walk in. I was like, what is that smell? <laughs> and it was ham. Ham. And and I had ham for the first time, mm. like from a big ham. Yeah. Now, we had deli sliced ham for sandwiches in our house. Yeah. So y'all would eat it. Well, oh, we had bacon and we had deli ham, but we would not have like a big ham or a pork roast because my mom would say, that's what the Gentiles eat. <laughs> I'm, I'm not making that up. <laughs> you would still eat bacon and slice up. <laughs> and, and after I realized, hey, this, w- this was, you know, from the same animal. The same I was animal. like, mom, yeah. you know, the bacon's not kosher. I know, I know, but your father loves it. <laughs> <laughs> but the ham still together was a bridge too far. It like was, it's still, yep. unsliced was still, yep. was too yep. much. Can't, can't go there. Can't go there. <laughs> but you know where you can go? You can yeah. go to uh, Life on Mission. As I don't even know what kind of segue that was, uh, but life on mission is a big deal yeah. uh, around here. And uh, joining us right now is our missions minister, Zip Kane. Well, as promised, 
And, and don't you hate when people say as promised, it's like you, you weren't going to come through on, on it anyway. Or like it's some big deal that they actually did what they promised. Right. Like they need an applause. Right. Yeah. yeah. We we yeah. told you we had a guest and here he is. Here he is. So joining us right now is our missions minister, Zip Kane, fresh off of one of the most incredible days we've ever had at our locations, Hope for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are no words, but we're going to use a whole bunch of them. <laughs> we're going to try. <laughs> we're going to try to use words. It, it was an incredible event that really started once we finished give a kid a chance mm-hmm. did you take yes. a day off between give a kid a chance and planning for hope for christmas four hours we had four hours off <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's let's the sunday talk. We, we did that that was on a saturday right? it's on a saturday so you took off that sunday then monday well we or, we were at church on sunday so true, i got the true. four hours off in the afternoon and then After we hit that, it on monday. yeah that's right <laughs> Of course, we planned it this way to be right in the middle of John chapter 17, where Pastor Jason is preaching on not for these only. Saturday was a not for these only kind of event. So let's talk uh, the the vision behind Hope for Christmas uh, briefly, and then what happened. Yeah, so uh, Hope for Christmas started at Westridge Church about 17 years ago, and it's gotten bigger and bigger every year. More churches have been been involved with it. And this year there was 22 churches that were involved with Hope for Christmas. We were the only church in Cherokee County and the only church in Pickens County. Every time you hit the table, it sounds like an earthquake. Sorry. No, 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 sorry, you're, sorry. You're, you're good, but I'm, but if I didn't, it's exciting. If I didn't, it's very exciting. He, well, he's he's like, yeah, he's, he's like he's emphasizing yeah. his yeah, twenty two churches. Yeah. He's bringing some weight yeah. to it. Westridge, the church that planted us 18, yes. 18 years ago. Uh, so it's incredible that we're a part of a much bigger thing. Um, now, last year we sponsored what four hundred and fifty kids between both campuses. Yeah, yeah, and this year sponsored. Uh, this year it was over 1300 kids. Okay, so that's so more. That's a little bit more. Okay. A little bit three more. times more than three times. Yeah. 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 So it was funny because when we first had our first meeting, everybody was like, Hey, how many kids are we going to sponsor this year? And the number in my head was 750 and everybody's eyes lit up like, Whoa, that's way more than last year. But the Lord had different plans and mm-hmm. gave us over a thousand within like the first weekend. And it was like, Okay. All right, here we go. And so. that was a little bit of a, not a snafu, but just the way that came about. Like, yeah. right? Like, explain that when you said the Lord had other plans. Like- so the way the program works is when families sign up, they're located to the churches by their zip code. Well, when they put all the families into the the zip codes, there was a group of families that never got imported in, mm-hmm. and then they found the glitch. And then when they imported the families, we went from, I believe it was like 500 and something kids to over a thousand mm. within less than tw- 12 hours. So, <laughs> and your wife was like, oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lynn. So yeah. Lindsay. So Lindsay, Lindsay yeah. Uh, not Lindsay. God definitely had other plans there. Yeah. I, I remember that. That's why I wanted you to explain that is like, I remember y'all checking the portal mm-hmm. um, and like kind of seeing how it was going. And registrations jump from 500, like doubled. Yeah. And I think Lindsay was even like, um, so what do we do now? And I'm like, we're going to sponsor all these kids. Yeah. 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 Amen. <laughs> Amen. Uh, a lot of folks were asking me on Saturday, you know, where do these kids come from? How do, how do they know about Hope for Christmas? So we've always worked with the school district mm-hmm. for the, the previous uh, Christmas events that we've done. 
Um, and this year we sent the link, the Hope for Christmas link to uh, the Cherokee County School District, and then they sent it to their counselors who then sent it to the families that they know needed the extra help. And those families started signing up and it just, we all know that this year there's a huge need. So um, not only did we get a lot of kids sign up, there's other churches in the area, not a part of the Hope for Christmas program mm-hmm. that also had tons of kids um, being signed up as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what's really cool is it's done through our school system. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about just our mentality as a church, uh, how hard you work to develop those relationships with our schools that they know we're here for them. Yeah. And that's, so talk about how like, between give a kid a chance and hope for Christmas, how that really helps the schools. We're not just helping families, we're helping schools. Right. So the school district, I mean, they have to, when kids come into the schools, um, if there's not programs to help them get backpacks and things like that, the school will actually try to get those for them. So events like this actually help the school district not to have to use funds to actually Mm. purchase the backpacks and the supplies Mm -hmm. and things like that. Uh, Even the Christmas programs, There's the families are reaching out to the schools saying like, hey, we need assistance this year, things like that. So hope for Christmas, the way the program works is it takes a huge burden off the schools because they don't have to find individuals to actually sponsor these kids. So this program, they know, hey, Revolution Church is going to take so many of them and they'll make sure that those families are signed up. And when they're signed up, I'll send each school a list of the kids that are actually signed up for from their school so they can not have to concentrate on them and they can help the other kids. Yeah. Every time we have an event like this, obviously we want to meet the need. Uh, We don't meet the need unless we know the needs. We know the needs of these kids, uh, but there is a much greater need. Yeah. They they need to know Jesus. Yeah. So so (laughs) So this fits fits in so well with not for these only. Yeah. That Jesus is praying for uh, in John chapter 17. We'll tie into that later. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's the beauty of this event. It's not about the Christmas gifts. Like, we had the prayer area where our prayer team was, and I think you said there was like 170-something families that actually yeah. came through to receive prayer that day. Yeah, the prayer team was absolutely inundated. There's one time we had 15 people praying, and mm-hmm. there was a line of families in line to get prayer. And just going through, and we went through every single prayer Sunday morning and the prayer team prayed over them mm. individually. And some are just so so heartbreaking, uh, but just so meaningful to have a, a, a place where people can say, hey, I, I have this need, I don't know what to do, and we go to Jesus. Yeah. yeah, and the other needs as well, I mean, a lot of these families, they don't realize what else is offered when they come to the event. It's not just about the kids. It's also about the families trying to get them resources as well. So at each one of our locations at Rev, we had a community resource area that had Walmart Health was there. Um, Georgia Power was there with their energy assistance program. And gosh, I think there were six or seven other nonprofits from the area that actually had tables set up for when mom and dad came by, they could actually see what was available to them that they may not even know about. And, and this is a this is a pretty small undertaking. I mean, it only takes a couple of people to pull this off. There's <laughs> <laughs> a how, team of two. How many hundreds yeah. and hundreds of team members did it take? Uh, the day of the event, I believe, just in Canton alone, we had over 300 uh, just for that. But then prior to the event, we had a team that was sorting all the Secret Santa gifts. We had 
a team that was sorting through the toys and getting the trailers ready. And then tons of staff members like Lindsay and Cassie and Marcy mm-hmm. just working yep. hard for sometimes all night long, trying yeah. to uh, make sure all these families got the communication that they needed. Shout out to the team members that were working in the trailers. Remember last week when it rained every day and it was like 47 degrees, they were outside mm-hmm. working in trailers that are just, you know, open. Yeah. Yeah. And getting all of these gifts ready. Yeah. I mean, team members like Sarah Whitaker and Judy Walker, and there were so many that mm-hmm. uh, I can't even remember everybody that was there because there were so many that were here like every day. Sherry Murphy. Was Sherry here. Murphy. Uh, Susan Forsh. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason Hatton was yep. here. Mm-hmm. John and- Davis, Robert Lee. I'm just making up names because I just want to, I feel left out by <laughs> there were there were a lot of team members yeah. out there. Yeah. So and you know, we had three full size fifty-three foot tractor trailers back there mm-hmm. that were slap full of gifts. And then a, a tractor trailer in Jasper. And one in Jasper as well. Yeah. With mm-hmm. other trailers and then over a hundred team members in Jasper. Yep. Um and like Frank uh Bramble, he's our um Jasper campus minister, like he did a phenomenal job, him and Aaron and Jeremy, the whole team up there just, I mean, mm-hmm. they have a very, a lot smaller staff than we have. So it took a lot of team members to pull it off up there mm-hmm. and they all did a great job. It, it was an incredible day. And, you know, we try to encourage all of our team members, all of our staff to, uh, as you preached last year, not miss the moments in the minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, of a day like that and to look at the faces of the kids and see the smiles and the families, the tears, mm-hmm. there were so many people crying, just so overwhelmed, whether they were recipients of generosity or they were watching generosity happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots of tears. Uh, one story out of that was, um, the Walmart, uh, ladies that came, one of them, I was walking, but well, I was actually walking both of them through the, the whole event and one of them was just tearing up. And then she said, I don't tell many people this, but I'm a licensed minister. And she said, what you guys are doing is mm-hmm. fantastic. I mean, she was she was weeping as she was going through, wow. and there wasn't the first family there yet. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, she was like, whatever you guys need, give a kid a chance. She said, we're here. So that, mm-hmm. was, that was a huge one. And also um, – Miss Ferry, Mabel Ferry from Hasty Elementary, the counselor. Mm. She said, I, I had to come and check this out. So I walked her through the whole thing, and she was crying. She's mm. like, I had no idea that this is yeah. what it was going to be like. And she was out back watching the families come through in the cars, and she was she saw a bunch of kids that she knew. So she got to wave at them, and we had the principal of Cherokee High School was here, Rodney LaRota. He was blown away. All kinds of, all kinds of teachers from all different types mm. of schools were here. So. There were several team members that came up to me in tears, and uh, and two of them were team members who have not served yet. This was their entry point into oh, well. into serving. Yeah. It was hope for Christmas, and they couldn't even get out the thanks of just hey, thanks for letting us be a part of this. Mm-hmm. It's like no, 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 <laughs> thank yeah. thank you. Um, and then there were just so many stories of people who came through. Uh, we had a family from Ukraine mm. uh, that still has family in Ukraine and one of the teenagers had been in Ukraine three months ago. Wow. I mean, you think about just that journey to, to come here. Uh, one grandmother was sitting there in tears, sitting in the auditorium, just looking at everything. And she told us a, 
a, a pretty hard story about you know where her daughter was, and she was so thrilled that her grandkids could have this kind of Christmas. Mm-hmm. So incredible! Thank you for the tireless effort. I, I know that there have been many, well, no days off for a long time, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and maybe some sleepless nights. Yeah, uh, but you built a terrific team. And you're a great leader, and we just love you so much. Well, thank you. There, There is one last story I just want to share real quick. There was a lady that was serving this weekend that her and her family have been struggling for a few years, and we've helped them out with certain certain things um, financially and things like that. Well, they're on the other side of that now. Mm. And she actually, um, her and her family sponsored three kids this year, wow. and she was here serving. So she she had a smile on her face the entire time, and it was just so cool to see them on the other side of it now to where, you know, they, they were receiving for a little bit, but then it was them giving back. And yeah. I'll, I'll never forget that. It's, this kind of stuff makes it all worth it. Folks, 362 days until the next Hope for Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) And in between that, we'll be Give a Kid a Chance. But this all comes under the umbrella of Life on Mission. And Life on Mission is a a 365-day-a-year thing. Uh, It doesn't have to be when the church is doing something. This is a way to be a catalyst in in your own lives, in our lives, to think outside the box and live on mission in our communities, in our schools, and in our workplaces. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things I personally love about this event. And we talk about this a lot, you know, strategically, but it's a win in multiple ways, you know, it, in a, in a very kind of real organizational sense, it's important for the schools and the other organizations and nonprofits to know that we as an organization are here and to do something like this, because it creates that partnership, you know, Mm -hmm. like even when you're talking about Walmart, (laughs) the Walmart in Canton had its grand reopening right before Thanksgiving. And they'd asked me to come pray for that. I couldn't. So you did David, um, because that's brought, a part brought in the left-hander for the prayer yeah, yeah. <laughs> out of the bullpen. Cause we were so excited that Walmart had this grand reopening. Yeah. So we were there. So, but that's a part of this partnership, you mm-hmm. know? And so from an organizational standpoint, kind of big picture on a macro level, it's important for our community to know that, that we as the church, organizationally are here. And so that's a great win, but then it's also important to know for the families to know, like to actually come to our buildings and see, Oh, wow. There are people that care. Like you said, those are, so we're becoming a connection point for those families, Mm -hmm. um, which is awesome because we get to pray for them, develop relationships with them, invite them back, you know, to other things that we're doing, but then to the team member part, it's also a great win because it helps our team members live life on mission, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it kind of gets their appetite wet for knowing, Oh, I can do this. I can pray for somebody. Mm-hmm. I can, I can serve, I can do that. And so strategically we try to do these kind of things several times a year like this, just to, again, remind our community that we're here, but remind, you know, or other organizations and also remind our team members. This is what part of what living life on mission mm-hmm. looks like. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, um, and so that's why we love it because it, like I talked to so many people as well that were just talking about how much they enjoyed the day and getting to pray for people, getting to serve people, getting to do, I mean, my own children, you know, here doing that. So just kind of setting that like, Hey, this is, we're not doing this just because we're revolution. We're doing this because we're Christians. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's you know? right. And, yeah. and and you say this often, if the church disappeared tomorrow, would our community know it? Yeah. 
and we we believe that our community would know that revolution shut down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it has a lot to do with uh, just that fresh reminder that you shared last week in the message. This is the gathering of the church. We're not just going to church. Yeah. The, these are just buildings. These are base camps to send people out. Yeah. yeah. And a part of that too, you know, even though the events are here like that, it does, like you said, it gets our people thinking of how can I do this beyond our walls? Right. Right. Cause that'll make a better community when our folks here are like, Oh, I can totally bless my neighbor mm -hmm. or whatever that I can go to the schools and volunteer, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Zip Kane, our missions ministry, your heart for people is contagious. Thanks for joining us on the grow people podcast. Your second appearance, second yeah, appearance second. On, the, on the GPP. Must have done fine the first time. <laughs> you, did, right. you did enough to not get disinvited. Okay, yeah, great, yeah. great, great. We'll see if I get invited back yeah. a third time. We'll be back after this message. Do yeah. we Do we actually have any sponsors? I don't think we do. Twinkies? Chandler? Uh, no, I'm, I'll, I'll work on that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I am so glad we got a chance to spend some time with Zip um, and... and I'm excited. I'm excited about next year. Uh, who knows? 1,300 kids this year. Um, Can't wait to see what glitch in the portal throws at us next year. The, the, if it throws, the portal, the yeah, transfer yeah, portal. The transfer portal throws a glitch, and uh, we got 2,000 kids. Well, we mentioned in that interview with Zip that it was timely, almost as if there's a God, as Pastor Jason says, mm -hmm. uh, because we're in John chapter 17. Yep. And Jesus is praying. Uh, for future disciples, yep. and the title of your message was "Not for These Only,", Only. and "Hope for Christmas" is one of those oppor uh, opportunities to bring in people who don't know Jesus. Yep. And our Christmas gatherings are opportunities. Talk about uh, that part of the high priestly prayer. Yeah, we, as we've talked in the last several weeks, you know, in John chapter seventeen, Jesus prayed for three different groups, you know, for himself, then his disciples, and then the future disciples are those that would believe. And it, and it struck me, as I said in the message, I love how Jesus said, we talked a couple weeks ago, he said, I don't ask that you take them out. And then he said, I don't ask for these only. And what I love about that is Jesus is, it's his way of reminding us, hey, what I'm doing, what I'm about to do in the cross is not just for these people. It's for all those that will believe through their word, he says. And the point that I think is important to make, um, and what I was trying to make in the sermon is, as in the same way, it's so easy for us as individuals to be very self-focused, um, to only worry about ourselves. Uh, churches or organizations, for that matter, can be very self-centered. And so it's a natural thing in the life cycle of a church to focus more on these that are here mm -hmm. than these that are not here. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying we shouldn't focus on these that are here. We should, but he says not for these only. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the, one of the biggest reasons why we do, you know, give a kid a chance, hope for Christmas. A lot of the things that we do is to keep that front and center in the life of our church to say, we don't exist for ourselves. We don't exist just for these only. Um, and we always want to continue to be a church because, again, that's what Jesus prayed for. Like the last point was Jesus wants them, you know, Jesus desires they be with him. Do we desire that? You know, so if I'm going to be more like Jesus and we, 
you know, our mission statement is love Jesus, grow people, then our desires need to be the same as Jesus's desires. Jesus desires um, for the the gospel to come to us and then flow through us. Um, and so I think a church has to be at least to some degree outward focused, mm-hmm. you know, uh, outward looking towards the community. I mean, we use the term outreach, you know, or missions, however you want to say that. But one of the things that we've said consistently here is we don't have a missions department. Um, again, that would be like the brave saying they have a baseball department. That's, that is their mission. Mm-hmm. And so the mission of the church is mission is to be on mission. So we want to get, just like we talked about in that interview, we want everybody to live life on mission. We want to, um, every person that makes up revolution church to live with that mentality of not for these only, because that's what Jesus desires. I have a question. Um, when we're talking about the gospel going through us to others, yeah, where did the notion of people saying, I have a private faith, where did that even come from? When, I would run into people and I would, I would say, I would just flat out say, Hey, I didn't, I didn't know you were a Christian. Yeah. And the response, Oh, I, I, I have a private faith. Yeah. Where is that in the Bible? Well, it's not, <laughs> you know, I, uh, two things I would say is, um, part of it is, um, just the, the part of human nature that we, none of us like, um, like we get very nervous being the center of attention or um, we like for us to go do to share our faith is scary. Mm-hmm. You know, it oh, is, it is. It, it is, it's nervous, you know, mm-hmm. the idea of meeting people, you know, new people, that kind of stuff. So I think part of it is just human nature. You know, again, human nature is we're just comfortable around those that we know, mm-hmm. you know? And so the idea of, we even talk about it stepping out of our comfort zone, you know? So I think that's part of it. But I think the other part from a kind of a macro perspective was the shift that happened um, from an Eastern, you know, our faith is Eastern in the sense of like, it came from the other part of the world to us. And so, you know, the world is divided Eastern and Western. And we obviously as Americans are in the Western world and through the enlightenment and the industrial revolution and things like that, the, the mentality shifted from a we to a me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so therefore, in, even in evangelicalism, we talk a lot about having a personal relationship with Jesus. Well, we almost personalized it so much. We made it so personal that it became private. Oh, okay. Um, to where the emphasis was about, like we would say things and I, I know you well, you may have heard this after you trusted Christ, but you definitely didn't hear it in your upbringing, or I would assume you didn't. But evangelists and people would say things like, if you were the only person on the planet, Jesus would have died for you. Mm-hmm. You know, We say things like that to try to emphatically prove a point, but that also sends an unintentional message. And I don't think we should say things like that, because that is not the point, you know, um, to where we almost make it so self centered mm-hmm. where the Bible just doesn't talk like that. The Bible talks about God wants a people, not just a person, right? you know, or people from every tribe, tongue and nation. So I, again, I think some of it is culturally and then some of it is just individually, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's uncomfortable. And, but I think we, it's okay to be uncomfortable. I'll say that. 
I think it's not okay to be so cultural where it almost becomes offensive culturally to share mm-hmm. my private faith. Right. So Jesus wants the they. Yeah. Do we? And in your message, uh, you had some, I, I think, some challenging points, some great reminders. I think mm-hmm. we're a pretty good church when it comes to wanting they. Yeah. Uh, but you you ended by saying, "Hey, this is this is a reminder." Yeah. What what reminder did you want us to have? Again, I think it's important, um, you know, to like I said earlier, churches can so easily become inward focused that. Um, the community around them changes Mm -hmm. and they don't, they become more insular from it. Um, And I think every church deals with that and, um, and not just in America, all over the place. Um, And so I want to remind our church, we don't want to be that kind of church. That's not um, that we always want to be the kind of church that is outward focused, but also that means it's going to, um, we're going to look different, you know, um, as our community changes, our church should change. And so, you know, historically speaking, our communities in Cherokee and Pickens County have been pretty homogeneous, Mm -hmm. you know, in, um, and not just race, but even, um, even in, um, socioeconomic status. Like it's quite interesting when, when we used to meet in Canton on the other side of the road of 575, when we used to meet in the conference center, the um, average annual income over on that side is far different than on this side. Mm -hmm. And um, we almost had this sense early on in the days of revolution. It was like, oh, we don't want those people here. But by those people, we meant like people on this side of 575 that were more well-off, you know, doctors, lawyers that, like I heard it a lot, you know, the 2.5ers. And I was like, what is that? You know, people married with 2.5 kids, almost Mm -hmm. like the perfect family. Right. That was more of the mm-hmm. outsiders early days in revolution. Mm-hmm. Cause we were kind of seen as the rebels, if you will, but you move over to this side of five seventy five, like we did, then our, your demographic around you changes. And so basically what I'm saying is we always want to be, make sure we're a church where any, any group of people feels welcome. Um, now that could be any ethnic group that could be any age group. That could be any socioeconomic group because the gospel exists for all groups. And so it, it's just, a, again, we need to constantly build a theological foundation of why we're doing what we're doing and, and the kind of church we want to be uh, or continue to be. And so that was where, like even making the point of, uh, which I mentioned, I didn't mention in all the gatherings, but I think I mentioned it. And well, I know I mentioned it, at least some that grace creates a new race. Yes. You know, like because of grace now, we're a new people, we're a new humanity. And this new humanity is defined by um, our need for Jesus. Um, so we all have the same story. And again, even talking about politically, you know, churches can be so homogeneous politically, um, where the, the, the they in our mind is somebody who votes differently from us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, we just want to make sure as a church what we're saying is the only prerequisite to attend here is to be a sinner. Amen. That's the prerequisite. Yeah, yeah that's the oneness. <laughs> yeah, that's the oneness. And 
And then I said, there's still theological boundaries. You know, there's still, like Paul said in Ephesians 2, 13 through 16, he talked about the dividing wall has come down. It's okay to have boundaries. It's as long as those boundaries are biblical. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like biblical boundaries, Jesus is the only way. Mm-hmm. That's going to knock some people out. You know, the Bible is the inspired word of God, the Trinity. Those are biblical boundaries. We shouldn't, but we shouldn't draw any more boundaries than are biblical. Right. Of, well, this is primarily for a certain age group, or this is primarily for a certain ethnic group, or this is primarily for a certain socioeconomic group, you know, none of those barriers should exist within a church. Mm-hmm. And James even talks about this and he talks about not showing favoritism, you know, in the church, not having special places to seat for certain people. Um, because at the foot of the cross, we're all the same. Right. Um, so it's just, again, constantly coming back around that message that there's just no room um If I'm looking, someone said this, I don't remember who said it, but if I'm looking up at the cross, I can't look down my nose at someone else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Because we're on the same level. Um, And again, that can just creep into church, and we don't want that to. It's tough to uh, be on your high horse and look up at the cross. Yeah, however you want to say it. I've heard it both ways. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, One of the excellent ways to be a, a welcoming church is to invite people to Christmas gatherings. Yeah. And... And that's one thing that we're going to press into this weekend. We're going to have a time of prayer. Yep. And, you know, you think about how uh, Jesus has prayed. Jesus mm-hmm. prayed for himself. Yep. Then he prayed for the disciples, the current disciples. And, of yep. course, he was praying for uh, us uh, 2,000 years later. Yep. So we are current disciples. Yep. And then he's praying for the future Yep. disciples. We want to take a time to press in to pray for the future disciples. Mm-hmm. So you could even start that now and, and thinking about and praying about who, who can you invite to church, not to, not to make revolution church bigger, yeah. as you have said many a times is to make hell smaller. Yep. Um, so I think it's an exciting time. There are statistics that say that people will come to church if asked. Yep. And the same study says that people who don't go to church will often say no one ever asked. Yep. And that's heartbreaking. It is. Yeah. And that's why when we were kind of plan, planning this out and laying this out, um, partly it was just a good breaking point between John 17 and 18. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, again, we'll get into John 18 next year. Um, when we, after our abide series, and then we'll kind of march towards the cross. So when we were laying this out, it's like, well, we've been talking for weeks about Jesus praying. So yeah, why don't we take time to pray mm-hmm. um, instead of just moving right into Christmas and and pray like Jesus prayed? Yeah, pray for ourselves, pray for the current you know disciples, the church, and then like you said, those that are that are not yet Christians. Uh, which I like that. I did, I don't remember who told me that. I think it was one of my professors at some point in time. Instead of just calling them non Christians calling them not yet Christians Mm. Um, because we don't know if they're a non-Christian yet Mm -hmm. Um, in what they believe. Maybe they just haven't been asked. Maybe they don't know. And so if we think of them as not yet Christians, Mm. then we're again, keeping the focus. And I think this is important. And this was, and we talked about this kind of offline. And I think this is a good way to, to, or good point to bring it in. You know, there's been a lot of conversations, at least in church world about, what the church, who the church exists for. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were, t- there are times throughout church histories where one was emphasized over more 
than the other? Like, does the church exist primarily for God? Does the church exist uh, primarily for believers? Does the church exist primarily for unbelievers? Well, if you've been around revolution at any amount of time, the answer to that question is yes. Yes. Yeah. But I do think the order matters. Um, and, and I think you even see this in Paul and, and when he gets into orderly in uh, orderliness in first Corinthians, the church first and foremost exists for God. So whenever we're having a gathering, we are there to worship God. That is the primary focus. God is the primary audience. And my whole issue with the seeker sensitive movement of decades past was we made the seeker or the, the non-Christian, not yet Christian, the, the audience that we were going after. So therefore we would kind of de-center God in the process. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the problem with that is we are, we're almost like no longer highlighting what we're inviting them into, mm. you know? So in our gatherings, we want to have a time of singing and worship. Yes. We want to have a time of engagement with God because that's attracting, you know, we want to talk about God in the messages, very God centered messages. Cause that's attracting. I just believe Jesus is attracting. Yes. So first and foremost, the church is about God. Secondly, it's for believers. Um, because the church by definition is the believers. It's the called out ones, the ones called out from the world. So you, again, you see this in Jesus's prayer. He prayed for himself first. Well, he's God. He prayed for a believer second. That's the church. Um, so secondly, the church is there to build up the body of Christ, you know, is how Paul would talk about it, to equip them. Um, and so the second audience that the church is for, uh, and the order matters, is believers. The third audience is, again, those not yet, mm-hmm. the, the, these, not only these. So I think done right, um, a, a worship gathering, um, or a church gathering, however you want to say it. When we gather as the church, that's the best way to say it. It's it's first for God, second for believers, third for unbelievers. Um, and we have all three in mind, but I think the order matters in that what's most attractive to an unbeliever is watching believers worship God. Mm. So I say all that to say when we do a Christmas gathering, we are conscious of, okay, we're going to have new visitors. We're going to have new people, hopefully. Um, and so we'll change up hosting a little bit. We'll even talk about what's going to happen. Uh, we might change up music a little bit, um, because we're cognizant of that, but we want, we want our people that call revolution church home to invite other people with them to that gathering to, for them to see how they are engaging with God. Mm-hmm. Well, if we think about it that way, you know, from a uh, perspective of um, how hard it is to invite people to something, well, it becomes a lot easier to invite people to something that you're enjoying. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm going with that. And so we want to be a church that enjoys God. Yep. We want to have people, our church, that enjoy God and then invite people into that. So it becomes a lot easier for people in our church to invite people to a Christmas when it's enjoyable. Mm-hmm. When they're enjoying God. Yes, yes. Um, and it's enjoyable. Um, so that's kind of how we think about it. And and this is a great, yes, it's a great opportunity because 
like you said earlier, you were not a Christian, but you liked Christmas. Mm-hmm. You like the season, yeah. you like that. And so there's certain things, like we'll have a candlelight moment at the end of the gathering. You spoil the surprise. Oh, that was, that was going to be. Gonna say? No, no, it's fine. Oh. <laughs> we're going to have candlelight. Yeah. Like is it, real is ca- it a real, surprise? No, it's oh, okay. not. Yeah. It, it's real candles. Yeah, it is. Like fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so prepare your kids. Yeah. Well, they need to be in Rev Kids. They do. Yeah. They do. Uh, yeah. Check your kids into Rev Kids. Yeah. Because uh, it'll be dangerous. But people are more willing to, to come uh, during a Christmas or Easter time um, because maybe, mm-hmm. you know, they, they want their family there. They want to have that kind of thing. Um, I would have. Yeah. And I was hostile toward God. Yeah. I yeah. would have come to a Christmas gathering had mm-hmm. I been invited. Yeah. Especially by somebody that was enjoying it, that mm-hmm. was inviting you out of excitement. Yes. You know, yeah. not out of duty, not yeah. out of like drudgery, you know what I mean? Um, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so we want our church. We've got a cool thing this weekend that we're going to, we're going to do. So I want to make sure everybody's there um, that we're really excited about that we've worked hard on to help people kind of think and live out. Yeah. What Jesus said, mm-hmm. not for these only. Yep. Um, because we, again, strategically as a church, we want to make sure that we're leveraging this opportunity to, to look outward, you know, to invite people into our house that we, as guests that we wouldn't normally have um, and show them who God is. And so that's why we love Christmas. Excellent. Um, if you have not been to the website or have not downloaded the app, please download the app and you can just click on uh, home for the home for Christmas. I'll home. be home for Christmas. I'll be, I'll be at home. The top. Yeah. yeah. And you'll find out about our Christmas gatherings in Jasper and in Canton. No Christmas gathering on Sunday, December 25th. Yep. And that is on purpose. Yep. Uh, we want to make sure that our team members have a great day with their families. Our staff has a, a great day with their families. And we're having plenty of Christmas gatherings on the yes. 23rd and, and the 24th. Then uh, no in-person gathering on January 1st. We will have an on or Thursday, that Thursday, yeah, or whatever th- yeah, they Thursday the, that next week. Yes. In Canton or in Jasper, no in-person gatherings. And then we'll be back in person on Thursday, the 5th of January in Canton. Thursday to the 5th of January in Canton. Yeah, Sunday is the 7th, Sunday, right? Sunday's the 8th. Six. It is? I think so. In 2023? I think so. I well, could, let's check this I've heard, out. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. It is. It is Sunday the 8th and then Thursday the 5th. All right. Yes. Okay, so there's your there's your Christmas. Um, remember, uh, crispy cookies, uh, Pastor David, soft batch cookies that are uncooked, uh, Pastor Jason. By very skilled bakers. By, yeah. yeah. Uh, which I was going to say this before you moved on to the cookies about the taking the time off. Um, I was going to say this earlier at the beginning of the conversation about the Christmas season mm-hmm. and how slowing down and pace. Right. The, for those of that are maybe new to Revolution Church, mm-hmm. we've been doing this for, I don't know, for a long, 14, 15, maybe since our inception. I don't know. I wasn't here, but at least for 14, 15 years where um, we take the last Sunday of the year off. Um so yeah, we don't have the the or the last weekend. Um, it used to be just Sundays, but 
we won't have it on the 25th, but that week we used to have gatherings, like mm-hmm. you said, Christmas Eve. But then that next weekend, we always take that off. Um, one as a, as a, it's like a Sabbath, you know, it's a Sabbath to our staff, yep. all of our team members and to our church um, to say, we take that time off because we want people to intentionally slow down. We want them to be focused, um, you know, at the end of the year and get ready for the new year. Um, and so, yeah, if you're new to our church and you may wonder why we do that, or we always have, we, we have some people that get upset or frustrated that we're, that we're off that, that time, which is understandable. I get it. Not upset. Uh, but I just want people to know why we do that. Yes. It, it's intentional. Yeah. So there you go. There's the, there's all the information about Christmas. Just go to the website or download the app. Um, lots of good information today. Lots of great theology today. Lots of great life on mission. Uh, celebrate uh, when you come to church, uh, when you gather as the church this yeah, week. That's right. Celebrate with people what God did and uh, give him the glory for hope for Christmas. Uh, our producer of the Grow People podcast is Chandler Elder. If you want a transcript of everything we said, write it down. Our head of doctrine and theology is Thea Logan. Um, our chief evangelist is Salvation. Our backsliding prevention officer, of course, is Lukewarm. Yeah. Uh, our translator is Lexi Khan. Our lineage specialist is Genealogy. Our director of Swedish witnessing is Bjorn again. You crack up every time. Every that time. Went. <laughs> our overseer of Godfather ordinances, Fredo Baptism. Uh, our five-point legalist is Cal Vanism. Our expert on Russian eschatology is Pitof Hell. Uh, our director. <laughs> <laughs> Did we do that one last week? No, no. I yeah, threw you that just did in there. Yeah. Pit of Hell. Yeah. 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 Uh, our, our Pitof. Yeah. 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 Because it's used from. Russia. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was just saying in case they didn't understand the inflection. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Director of Holiness is Mortification, and um, our, uh, Christ- our our Christmas music has been arranged by Yuletide Carol. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's the Carol Yuletide. I, I, I'm fa- I'm fading. We're at like an hour on this podcast we today. Are. Yeah. Uh, best advice ever. Trust God and take a nap. See you next time. Oh, next year. 